Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Next Town Over podcast with your hosts, Carson Costa and Nicole Bennett. What is this? Some of those evening jazz shows? <laughs> I'm trying to do ASMR. Oh, ASMR. Oh, is that what we're doing? Okay. I get like hella close to the microphone and like, and then they mutter and then they like do sounds and stuff. Like, I don't know. That shit drives me crazy. I cannot listen to ASMR. I know. I don't. I, it, it's like an itch in the back of your brain. Oh, but not the, not the fun kind. All right, everyone, welcome to the next town over. I'm Carson Costa, and I'm here with my co-host, Nicole Bennett, and we're really excited to have you here. Seeing as this is our first episode, and you're all new here, we thought we'd start with the basics. What do we mean when we're talking about the next town over? Well, basically neighbors. Future episodes are going to talk about how, in some places in Europe, Next-door neighbors can be living in completely different countries. We're going to talk on a larger scale about how neighboring countries can impact their broader neighborhood, including toxic relationships like the Ukraine and Russia. We're going to talk to locals about the things in their neighborhoods that foreigners would never think to ask. The beautiful things, the special things, the things that they love the most. We're going to talk to people who have seen neighborhoods in ways that few people have had the privilege to, including people who have ridden their bikes around the world, and from Fairbanks, Alaska, all the way down to Tierra del Fuego, Argentina. We're going to talk about our own experiences exploring neighborhoods around the world as we have traveled in the past and as we continue to do so in the future. But all of this raises the question, how well do we really know our neighbors? And how does that play out on a broader stage? If you're like me, not at all. This was going to be a fun one. <laughs> so why do you think you didn't know your neighbors? Because my parents are hermits. Oh, well, that'll do it. They didn't like people and they didn't want to get to know anyone. It took them, I think, 10 years where um, we last lived to like actually make friends with one of the neighbors. And then those neighbors moved away. <laughs> So now we're alone again. So now they're alone <laughs> again, and it's it's bad. And, like, I grew up with one other kid on my street, and I have no idea where he is today. And I currently don't know any of my neighbors where I'm living now, so... But you did just move in there. Yeah. I have zero intentions on making any friends. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Enough. I'll just go to my house and everyone can leave me alone. It's fine. See, meanwhile, my street has always felt more like a family than a neighborhood. And I've always thought of my neighbors as, like, extended additional aunts and uncles and grandparents and stuff. Good for you. <laughs> and, like, one of the one of the kids on the street um, got married a few years ago. And, like, we had our own neighborhood table at the wedding. And we had a blast because we all know each other so well. We enjoy each other's company. And we all got drunk. It was great. It's the cutest shit I've ever heard. I know. And it's it's really great. There's a lot of support. And so I always know that I have that network. And um, so that was really special for me growing up. And it was really weird when I finally started to realize that not everyone had that experience mm -hmm. and that like so many people just don't know their neighbors or don't like their neighbors. And yeah, it was, it was weird. I didn't 
know that that was a thing until I got to high school. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's different. (laughs) Yeah. And I had no idea anyone could be that close to to their neighbors. I thought, you know, neighbors were the people that, you know, maybe if you went up for a walk, you waved and had a quick how's the weather conversation. And then you moved on. Of course, if I lived in this type of neighborhood where you're at, I would probably be able to know my neighbors, um, where my parents and where I grew up. Uh, everyone's like a good mile apart, so you don't have neighbors. You have to use binoculars to if you want to wave at them on the street. Mm. So it's kind of like there's no trick-or-treating there. At the driveway was at way too long. Like, it was ridiculous. You you, did, you just didn't because it would take forever to get to everyone's houses if you wanted to trick-or-treat. So we didn't. Yeah. So getting to know your neighbors also, you know, has a matter of, like, how close are you to your neighbors physically. Right. Yeah. But I will say, like, when you and I were living together in Reno, mm-hmm. I did not know a single one of the people. Of the, I also didn't our... want to know a single one of our neighbors. I think that there's definitely a spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people like me that know all of their neighbors and there's people that know none of their neighbors and there's people that know a couple of their neighbors and there's people that know their neighbors but don't like them. Chris, I wonder how much, like, obviously physical distance makes a difference, like in my case. How much time do you need to spend in one location for you to develop those types of connections? Since I moved out of my parents' house at 18, I haven't been friends with any of my neighbors because I don't live anywhere for more than six months, maybe a year. Yeah. I think the longest I was in any one place was a year and a half. And why would I get to know my neighbors when I'm leaving? Yeah. I think it has less to do with time and more to do with effort. Because, for instance, like, when we moved to Croatia, I totally plan on getting to know the neighbors. Good for you. Um, <laughs> and, but again, it's, like, it's about effort. And I know that part of the reason why this whole street is friends is because my mom made a huge effort to every time that somebody moved into the neighborhood, we would bring them cookies. Every year we had an annual neighborhood block party at our house, and there would be, like, 30 people, you know, at this party that we had to cook for and prepare for and stuff. Um, Also, every time that we see our neighbors outside, like, my mom will stop, or both both my parents, actually, will stop everything they're doing um, and talk to that person for, like, an hour. When I was a kid, it was not weird to see all of the adults on the entire block gathered in groups on the street talking in the evenings Hmm. it it was a lot of effort and time spent with them to build those relationships that's fair actually that's a really good point because my old neighborhood that house we'd just gotten there was a neighborhood wine walk again i moved but while i was living there i really wanted to be a part of it so yeah you're right the effort does have a big you know say in things and i wanted to be because yeah the whole neighborhood did the wine walk we met at the park for a barbecue afterwards and just all had a great time and got to know each other. And I really wanted to keep going, but then I moved and I think that really put a damper on my desire to get to know or be invested in anyone's lives when right. I know I'm just about to move. So, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think effort has a lot of lot to do with it too. So, yeah, I did find this article Yeah, I'm getting all technical Um, from the Pew Research Center about how urban, suburban, and rural residents interact with their neighbors. And there were a few things that I thought were really interesting in here. So three out of 10 people say they know all or most of their neighbors. 
Which is actually higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's way higher than I would have expected. I was, I was thinking it would be like 1 in 10. Apparently it's 3 in 10. It's higher for rural residents than urban or suburban. Which, I mean, urban doesn't really surprise me because I know a lot of people in cities are just like, I don't talk to me. You know, I'm yeah. living my life. Don't talk to me. And <laughs> rural communities tend to be a lot more interconnected. But I would have thought that suburbia would be the capital of people knowing their neighbors. Yeah, it does certainly seem that way. Of course, I think when it comes to, like, the biggest difference between rural and urban is that in urban settings... No one is using the excuse of proximity to get to know each other. In fact, it's like a please leave me alone just because you're right next to me doesn't mean we need to talk. Yeah. Whereas in like, you know, in the rural areas, you rely on your neighbors for a lot of things. And this is going to sound so podunk, but when your tractor breaks down and you need some help, you know that Joe Blow down the street can help you. Whereas in a city, you wouldn't necessarily have that need, let alone have to rely on someone when you can call anyone else in the city who can help you. But when you live, you know, in the boonies or you live way out there, your best bet is going to be a neighbor if they need something or you need something. Right. And, like, even in town in the rural areas, because, like, this is obviously Mm -hmm. in town in a rural area, um, you know, when every year everybody has to plug their lawns and so, you know, one person rents it, they all split the cost, and then the the lawn plugger machine makes the rounds to like every house in the block. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. You rely on your neighbors more for things and you, you share, share the burden. Yeah. You stuff. share the resources. Or yeah. With, you know, when you're in the city, you don't necessarily need to. Yeah. I think there's definitely less of those sort of situations where you would need to, because like nobody has lawns in the city. Yeah. What are you going to share your vacuum cleaner? I'm a just ru- picturing that. Doctor? <laughs> Like, yeah, okay, Smithy's going to go to the store and get the rug doctor, and then all six people on this floor are going to borrow it. No. Ew. Yeah, Ew. Yeah. Ew. That, no. So, yeah, no, that doesn't happen. happening. No. I mean, I imagine it does happen with some things. Like, so I'm a big fan of financial podcasts, like How to Money and Choose FI. And hey. Yeah. <laughs> they talk a lot about, like, sharing things with neighbors. I think the hosts of both those podcasts live in the suburbs. I know... At least in How to Money, they live in the suburbs of Atlanta. And they talk a lot about sharing things with their neighbors. And they definitely have a lot of the neighborhood community. So I think it depends on like what you're looking to get out of yeah. those relationships, too. Because if that's your mindset and like you're trying to save money on everything and you want to share as much as you can, then, of course, you're going to get to know the people that are around you so that you can figure out where those resources can come from and what you can exchange with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. Of course, one thing that they don't necessarily talk about in the more rural areas, especially where I grew up with, again, houses being so far apart, is that a lot of people move out there to be left alone. You know, trying to sell, like, Girl Scout cookies and shit door-to-door, which, dangerous. (laughs) But, you know, you'd go down the half-mile-long driveway into this house that's surrounded by trees that they clearly just want to be left alone, and you knock, and they're like, why are you here, child? And you're like, can you buy cookies? And they're like... If you never come back here again, I will buy cookies. I'm like, sure, deal. <laughs> I don't want to come to your very isolated home, sir. Yeah. <laughs> the number of properties with no trespassing signs and stuff, oh, yeah. too. And I think in the rural areas, there's a lot of that. Um, so it is. it kind of surprises me that rural areas are higher, because I would have thought suburban would be the highest. I, yeah, I would have thought suburban. But... 
I guess not. Course, At least guess, not according to the study. Yeah. I guess it also depends on what level of, of rural are we talking. Rural rural where I grew up or rural where you grew up. Yeah. Very different styles. Because this isn't yeah. considered a suburbia. No, it's not. It's so suburbs is like the area immediately outside of a big city. Yeah. So this yeah. is still a rural town. Yeah. And, I mean, just different levels of rural. Yeah. And I could see... So I could see that being the factor that's influencing yeah. that statistic. I mean, even my example of, like, the tractor breaking down... Um, doesn't happen very often where I where I live. Mm-hmm. So you guys have the annual lawn lawn plugging thing, and um, yeah. how often does Joe's tractor break down when my dad's got to go help him? Yeah. Not often. Yeah, and Joe can fix most of his <clears throat> tractors on his own, so he doesn't need us. Yeah, it's just nice to have him when you do, but right. it's not an annual thing. <laughs> I did think this was kind of interesting. So this next part, about half of Americans who know at least some of their neighbors talk to them weekly. This is among those that know at least some of their neighbors, which is higher than the three in 10. But I, I, they don't actually say in this article what that number is. We've already talked about that. There's a lot of people out there that just don't know their neighbors at all. So that's not counting people that don't know their neighbors. So what do you think about that number? Like, do you think that that makes sense. People and other neighbors at least half talk to them weekly. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have that type of relationship and you live in a community where it's where you're able to see your neighbors that often mm-hmm. and have that connection with them, I think it would make sense for you to talk to them that frequently. If you're that close and you've already formed those bonds, that it's easy to talk to people on a regular basis. I feel like it doesn't include enough information here. Because... Who know at least some of their neighbors, which means if you're a family with two kids and there's another family down the street with two kids about the same age and you guys spend a lot of time together, that like that counts, Mm -hmm. you know. And so but I feel like that that is not necessarily the same thing as knowing and talking to your neighbors because there's a relationship there that goes beyond being neighbors. That's more of like hanging out with your friends than talking to your neighbors just because they're your neighbors. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, for one, I think that... You don't necessarily have to be friends with whoever your kids are friends with. So yeah. that might be pushed. But I think that a lot of that happens, though. I mean, I've seen that a lot where if there's a family with, like, a similar setup, I don't know, or the kids become friends because the parents are friends. Yeah, I think that's more likely than the opposite. But I think that in a neighborhood where, I don't know, people might be older and retired, and those retired people don't have a whole lot going on except to hang out on their front porch or go yeah. for walks. And when there are other people in... Li- similar situations or you know kids get home from school that day and they walk by and they you know say hi to their neighbors because they're always out on their front porch that can count too you don't right. have to have a big strong connection and i'm not saying that it doesn't count i'm just saying that i think that this does count situations where it's more like hanging out with friends that happen to live near you as opposed to like having a conversation with your neighbor yeah but you're be, having them be your neighbor is is probably the main reason you see them like, you probably never would have met them if they lived on the other side of town. But just because you wouldn't have met them, well, okay. Because right. they're I think friends because of because they're your neighbor. They're, you're not neighbors because you're friends. They didn't move into that house saying... Well, you met because you're neighbors, but you're not friends because you're neighbors. You're friends because you're friends. Okay, so anyone you're friends with on this neighborhood doesn't count because you're friends with them? But I feel like the relationship is different. We're all really close in this neighborhood, mm-hmm. but I also feel like my relationship with these people is different than with other people in my life that I'm close to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And my, I don't know, my relationship with my neighbors is different than like my relationship with my friends. But I do know that there are people that happen to be friends with people that they live nearby. And so I'm just, I don't know, I just feel like... a different type of relationship, but it's still due to being neighbors. You shouldn't discount it because they're also friends. I guess that's true. I I mean, also, that's kind of the point is to, like, when you make friends with your neighbors to actually be friends with them. I just feel like this statement covers a really broad swath of things. Because about half Americans who know at least some of their neighbors talk to them weekly. So that covers people that are you know, friends with one family down the street Mm -hmm. and they talk to them a lot. It also covers people that like just say, oh, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Okay. See you later. Once a week to their neighbors, Mm -hmm. you know, so this covers like a really broad swath of relationships with neighbors. And so I feel like it's not that useful of a statistic because it doesn't really tell you that much about American neighborly relationships because it covers such a broad range. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but if you also consider the fact that it's probably half of people, because the earlier statistic said it's 3 in 10. So mm-hmm. if, and that's who know all or most of their neighbors. So if you say approximately half of the people just know a neighbor or some of their neighbors, mm-hmm. Then how much about half of those people talk to their neighbors on a weekly basis? Right. So that is a quarter of people in neighborhoods who talk to and know their neighbors. Right. And then less than that is going to be people who are actually friends. So it's going to, I mean, I think the statistic makes pretty good sense. I mean, okay. and how how in, how involved do you want the statistic to be? Like, do you want them to be like, hey, are you, what level of friendship do you have with these people? What's the level of interaction? That seems right. a little personal. Breaking it down too far. Yeah, and also, who cares? Well, I do. I know Obviously. you do, but like, why would, why would anyone else want to go that deep into the statistic when they're just looking at general neighborhoods and neighbor relationships as a whole? Yeah. Like, if they wanted to write a separate article about the types of relationships, that'd be one thing. But if you're looking at just general statistics, you don't need to go that deep. Right. Well, I guess it, it depends. So I guess it depends on what you're looking at and, like, what you're trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, just because we're the psychopaths who want to go into deep interpersonal relationships between neighbors does not mean everyone wants to. <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting because <laughs> a big part of what, we're like, this podcast is about is um, the things that we don't know about people other people in places because i think that we get a lot of information but a lot of that information is pretty biased you Mm -hmm. know and so we tend to hear the worst things about people and places Mm -hmm. and the more that we know about somebody or about individuals or about a community or a place then i think the better informed we are and the easier it is to understand those people and their perspective and where they're coming from so that's why i'm trying to get down to what that looks like on a microcosm level with you know the people that live down the street from you because if we can't understand the people that live down the street from us how can we possibly understand somebody that lives in another country on another continent you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's why i think that that matters because if you have really close connections with one family on your street that's very, very different than if you have reasonably deep connections with a bunch of people on your street. Mm-hmm. Or if you only ever have that super brief, oh, hey, Joe, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Okay, say hi to Martha. Bye. Mm-hmm. You know, that's super surface level and you don't really know those people at all. And so I think that those are all very different ways of knowing people and knowing the community and knowing the differences between people that live even really close to you mm-hmm. and being able to understand their point of view. 
So I guess that's why I think that that matters for our purposes. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I just meant in terms of the statistic that you're taking trouble with. I'm like, well, <laughs> they don't want to go that deep. And it's not so much that I'm taking trouble with it as much as just like, I wanted to have, you know, a discussion. And we could just state the fact and then move on. But I wanted to ask some questions about it and kind of challenge it a little bit and dig into what that means and what it looks like and all that. Beautiful. Beautiful. One in five say all or most share their political views. And I feel like that's such a weird number, considering that, like... Shouldn't it be most more? <laughs> shouldn't it be more? That was my thought. Because in this country, we have two pol- two major political parties. Yeah, that's it. it. More. And we've pretty much divided up the entire country pretty squarely into majority Democrat or majority Republican. So you'd think that it would be four out of five, you know? And I also want to know, so if you're taking five people on one block mm-hmm. and four of them are like, we don't have the same political view. And one of them is like, we, most of us have the same political view. Who's what that your, one person? Who are your, what are your views? Yeah. And if you all disagree with Joe over here, don't you all, don't the rest of you four share the same view? I'm confused. No, I'm confused Because I'm sorry, because it's one of the saddest things about this country is we only have two options. Yeah. <laughs> Unless, I, yeah, I want to know how they got that statistic. So, well, it's, it's, I think it's interesting because it's all about self-reporting, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's, they, this is I what people think that feel. I share most of my neighbor's viewpoints. And points. if that many people feel like their neighbors don't share their political views, then I think that says a lot about how much we know about each other's political views. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you have a block of, like, ten houses, mm-hmm. and two of those people think that the majority of the neighborhood shares the same political viewpoint... Yeah. But the rest of the eight say that they don't. Mm-hmm. I want to know what their viewpoints are yeah. and what they think that their neighbors have. Yeah. Because there's a disconnect. And exactly. Very and so I think that the disconnect. point is that, like, we don't know that about each other. Like, we don't ask that question. Yeah. And we don't talk about it. And so to. you're not supposed to. And so, but the fact that we don't talk about it means that a lot of people feel like they're alone. Yeah. When they probably aren't. Which kind of blows my mind a little bit. And I think that that it's a great example of how we don't really know our neighbors. Yeah, although I will say sometimes politics doesn't, it doesn't need to be a discussion with all of your neighbors. Sometimes it's something that you should practice in your own house quietly without having a big to do about it. But I think that that's part of the problem. Like, I don't think that it has to be a big to do to have a discussion about it. And I think the problem is... That we've made it that way. Mm. And that we need to be able to have conversations without getting upset at each other. And we need to be able to have conversations where we're open to the other person's point of view. And accepting the fact that we might not be able to change their mind and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And to be able to talk to each other about it. Because you're never going to change anybody's mind if you don't talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I think part of the problem is that it is so taboo and we have turned it into such a big deal to talk about it and yeah well the political climate <clears throat> is not a great one for conversations yeah i agree and it's usually just i don't know the one particular subsect of a party goes absolutely ape and then no one else wants to talk about it because they don't want to be identified with the people who are going too far in one direction and then right. no one talks about it. So you're right. Like, we need to have the discussion. But it's, 
difficult right now because of the level of toxicity that is accompanying the radicals. Yeah. Like I was talking to one of our friends last night and she was saying that when two people are screaming at each other, it's really hard to hear the people in the middle trying to have a civil conversation. Yeah. And right now that's kind of where we're at is that like the two extremes are just constantly screaming at each other and it's really hard to hear anybody trying to have a civil conversation in the middle. Yeah. So I think that that's definitely a problem. But we're not here to solve the political problems of Why today's not? world. We can't fix everything. We can't fix everything. Damn. But I do want to try to foster understanding and talking to each other more. Yeah, and that requires us to talk to our neighbors. Yes. Ew. I know. <laughs> Your little introvert brain is like, well, it's not. <laughs> like, let's go inside and just leave everyone alone. See, this is why we're friends, because you can make all the friendships because you're an extrovert, and I will just be alone for the ride. You'll just be there with your, like, your your insight and commentary and stuff. There's one more thing here that I wanted to comment on. Mm. So, there's this little conclusion they have here. Um, well, not a conclusion. It's another statistic of uh, people self-reporting. But neighbors tend to interact more if they're of the same race, social class, or political party. Which makes sense to me. And I totally believe that. I would like to offer up the, yeah, duh. Yeah, duh. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um... The thing that gets me about this, though, is that it's an echo chamber. Yeah. If you're talking to people that are the same as you, then you never hear any, you know, other opinions. And that kind of gets back to, like, the whole point of this podcast is to talk to people who have different perspectives and therefore expand our understanding of others. So, Well, I think it's funny that, like, the political party part is interesting with the other statistic. But when it comes to social class and race... Mm -hmm. Most people who are of the same social class can afford housing in one specific area. And therefore, yeah. of course, they're they going to be neighbors. Together. Yeah. And we oftentimes find most comforting to be around people of our same or similar, you know, ethnic and race, racial groups, which often concur with our social status. Yeah. So, again, yeah, duh. Like, I'm sorry, you live in a predominantly white area and most everyone has a similar level job, mm-hmm. you're going to live in the same neighborhood as people who are very much like you. Yeah. It's rare that you're going to live next to someone who is way above your class or way below it. Yeah. And then people who are going to stay in the neighborhoods of their own culture. So, of course, you're going to talk to people and live next to people who are very close and similar to you because they've got the same life experience, which has led them to be in that physical location and in that housing plan, like wherever that may be. Well, it's interesting. So there's some other statistics in there, and I don't want to get totally bogged down in this. Mm-hmm. But, Why not? But there's some other stuff in here that going off of what you were saying, I think is really interesting because relatively few Americans say most of their neighbors share their political views, which are already covered. Mm-hmm. Rural residents are the most likely to say their neighbors share their race or ethnicity. A slight majority of Americans say all or most of their neighbors are the same race or ethnicity as they are, which means that... 45% say that not all or most of their neighbors are the same race. Is that in a rural or urban setting? So that's overall Americans. And mm-hmm. then they have the whole graph here breaking it down. And in the rural areas, it's more people say they share the same race. Mm-hmm. Um, also, whites are the most likely to say their neighbors share the same race or an ethnicity. What a surprise. What a surprise. About half say their neighbors are mostly the same social class as them, which means half say they aren't. 
Interesting. So there's a lot here. Course, that if you live I'm in like, Ranch Canistan, I'm confused. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like I guess yeah. areas like the ranchos. Yeah. Where you have a crack house two blocks down, and the other one's a mansion with mm. six RVs, which. I yeah. don't know how rare that is for the country, but here we have a couple of neighborhoods like that where you That's have fair. actual crack houses that get busted on a monthly basis. Yeah. And then a couple blocks down, you have Richie McAllister over here. Right. So, anyway, I just think it's interesting because there's a lot in here where it doesn't seem like the majority of people feel like the, their neighborhood is the same as they are, like, homogenous. True, but I feel like that, like, because you were saying that it's more of a rural thing, so mm-hmm. in cities... You're going to have a lot more diversity because you have a lot True. more people. True. Uh, that's one unfortunate thing about living in such a, a rural town like we do, and especially a predominantly white rural town, is we're going to see a lot of that. Right. We don't have a whole lot of diversity here, and unfortunately, this town has not fostered that level of diversity. Right. Whereas in a city, it has. But even then, you think about the project, and I obviously neither of us has lived in a yeah. major city, so we can't... Nor the project, really, for the record. Or the project. Yeah, we cannot talk um, about this. So we can't really talk about that, but you hear about it a lot, mm-hmm. I feel like, that, you know, oh, the pro- like all the poor people live in the projects, and then, meanwhile, the rich people live on the Upper East Side or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and so you think about, it seems like those neighborhoods would all be predominantly the same social class, mm-hmm. um, particularly when you're in these buildings where, like, pretty much everybody in the building is paying about the same amount for that, for the apartment or whatever, um, or condo. And in theory, all of those people would say, my neighbors share the same social class because in theory, they're considering that building their neighborhood Mm -hmm. and everything in there costs about the same amount. And in theory, that would mean that they're about the same social class. Of course, it also depends on what those people define as a neighborhood. Yes. You and I define the neighborhood as the surrounding, the very immediate surrounded area. Whereas if you lived in an apartment complex in the city, your building may not necessarily be your neighborhood. The entire block is your neighborhood. That's true. So just because you may not talk to anyone in your building doesn't mean you don't talk to the guy working the deli that you see every day. He's your neighbor. He lives in the same area. Yeah. And you'll have multiple apartment complexes and buildings. That could have different levels of... Yeah, so that could yeah. be... And that's that diversity that comes in there. Interesting. Good point. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. I were to move on from that article because I feel that's like we... A, yeah, that was... I feel like we did good on that, though. I feel good. I, I just feel, feel good. tired. I feel good. Those misconceptions all work together, that even if your neighbor you don't fully know, and you might think that they're unfriendly, it's because you haven't gotten to know them. Yeah. And just because the next town over, you've heard some negative things, and you've not really bothered to go there to find out for yourself, those, you know, the echo chamber and those stereotypes continue to exist, and yeah, they're a perfect example of why you need to open that door of communication. Right. When you mentioned the grumpy neighbor, remind me of my neighbors. Not grumpy, but he's not particularly social, and it, he doesn't talk to people a lot. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, there were all of these rumors in the neighborhood about him that he was a former spy. I mean, so this guy, he's really unique. He had like eight cats at one point. Aww. He's also allergic to cats. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and he would buy all this stuff online. He was constantly getting packages. And he would buy a new car every year. And there were all these really expensive cars. And it, the entire neighborhood was just like, 
who is this guy? <laughs> is he, is this a mafia thing? What is happening? It's in the cereal? That's... <laughs> there was, a, there were a lot of rumors and a lot of people were like kind of scared of him. And I loved his cats. I would always go sit in his front yard and pet his cats. Mm-hmm. Weirdo. So he got used to seeing me there and would eventually start talking to me. I got to know him mm-hmm. kind of before anybody else in the neighborhood did. And I was like, hey, like he's a really nice guy. And I, he was my buddy. And after that, he started to, I think, get to know some of the other neighbors better as well. Mm-hmm. And so now it's everyone understands where he's coming from. It's just kind of accepted that sometimes he's not in the mood to chat and we just respect that and move on and don't yeah. bother him. But it was that misconception to start with. And until you breached the unknown to fully understand it, mm-hmm. those misconceptions are going to keep circling. Yeah. And we all know how the rumor well likes to churn. Oh, yes. I like, the fact, I like the fact that the kids thought he was a spy. That's oh my gosh. Yes. We were like, a spy? Or like... It's I, always oh the God. cool things. You never think, oh, that person's just a hermit who likes his cats in alone time. It's always, he's in a mafia. Yes. He's, he just happens to have like well, a, I, I a think good that... income and he's quiet and keeps to himself. So everyone's like, mob, spy, FBI. Well, what was really funny is that, so he went on a lot of vacations too. And one time he goes on vacation for like six weeks and he comes back with a wife. She was super extroverted and gregarious and became friends with my mom. And she would tell us like, oh yeah, he has a collection of samurai swords in the closet and things like that. And we were just like, who? Who is this guy? <laughs> so, but he's a really, really interesting guy and he's really smart. And so I've gotten to know him over the years and I'm glad that we were able to make that connection and able to break through that barrier. Yeah. Really funny as a kid that like all of the rumors <laughs> about who he was and what he did. And That's hilarious. Do you yeah. now know what he does for a living or what he No. Does? Oh, you still don't know. So he, can still, he can 100% still be a spy or in the mob. That's great. I love it. And the fact that being the mob, it wouldn't be too much of a shock in this area. Like, you'd be like, oh, didn't realize it was still operating, but that makes sense. Okay. Well, I had a math teacher at the high school who he would constantly tell us that, like, one of these days the mob's going to find me and they're just going to come in and drag me out of the classroom. And we were always like, I... What are you even talking about? But, like, he was from New York, so I, I don't know. No, I didn't have a very eccentric math teacher in... I didn't want to say his name just on the off chance the mob is actually looking, looking for him. <laughs> like, You're so sorry, Mr. Smith. I feel a little bit guilty if, you know, I got my math teacher killed, even though he wasn't a very good math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> No, my, my, actually, you're right, it is 10th grade, but my 10th grade math teacher was, I don't remember him ever saying stuff like that, but he was a character. Mm. He was definitely a, an interesting person. And I could, so I was like, oh, when are people involved? We've gotten a bit off track. We had a smidge. Just a smidge. Me, but yeah, our math teachers in the mob. The yeah. point is that we tend to have a bias towards the negative. So assuming that he was in the mob. So we, d- we tend to have a bias and we also, our brains have a tendency to seek out threats. Mm-hmm. So we definitely pay more attention to things that we think are going to be dangerous than things that don't seem dangerous. And we also take that we run with it. Not only do we think, oh, this person could be up to nefarious things, it's they're up to nefarious things and they're after me. And we just we just run with it. And that fear extends to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Like not just threat of bodily harm, but also threat to way of life. Yeah. And that's what a lot of today's issues are about is this this concept of a threat to my position in the world. Yeah. 
Which I think is very interesting, especially depends on the topic, because some of the times your way of life might be great for you, but it's at the cost and detriment of an entire other subset of in a group of people. And all they want is to have a better quality way of life. Mm-hmm. And people are terrified that them getting that better quality lifestyle will negatively impact their lifestyle. So yeah. they're perfectly fine perpetuating whatever it is that's keeping these other people down because I don't want my way of life affected. And then they take that and they say, oh, yeah, again, the rumor mill churns. Well, these people do this, this, and that. And that's why they can't have nice things. And by nice things, I mean rights. Not a Porsche. I mean, I don't know, voting rights and the ability to just walk down the street and be yourself. You know, the minor pesky things. I do think it's important that we acknowledge other people's viewpoints. I think that's why it's important. This tendency towards negativity and tends to be this threat-seeking behavior of our brains mm-hmm. is because when we look at it that way, we can see that it makes sense from that biological brain perspective. Mm-hmm. People focus on their self-preservation and, and on that perceived threat. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a little bit... Not acceptable and not supportable, but understandable. Mm-hmm. And you can see where people are coming from, and then that makes it easier to argue against. Yeah, and I also think that with the way the culture surrounds finding your homeostasis and keeping it. Mm-hmm. Like, when you have a certain way of life, and that life is good and you enjoy it, and you don't see any real negativity for yourself, and someone else wants to come in and change it, mm-hmm. it can be very difficult to realize that it's not necessarily a threat the change might be for the better. Right. But we have such a hard time accepting change because what we have might be good. And we're scared that changes and rocking the boat can make it worse. Mm-hmm. And we are so conditioned to find the threats instead of thinking of what could be better. What right. things can be improved that now we are all in a better situation because someone stood up and made that change. Yeah. And in order to make better changes and increase everyone's quality of life, we need to open that door of communication and get to know our neighbors better. Because if you understand their perspective as to why your weird little neighbor likes to keep to himself, yeah. did it did it negatively impact your life to get to know him better? No, it actually probably brightened your life a bit. Absolutely. And you got to know him better. You could have just stayed in your little bubble away from him and gone about your merry way. And maybe he would have been very lonely for a long, lot longer. But yeah. you didn't. You got to know him. You opened that door. And now everyone's better off for it. Absolutely. But he could have been an absolute creep. You never know. <laughs> I just mean, like, you took the risk and it right. worked out. And we don't have enough emphasis on taking risks that can be beneficial. Yeah. Like you were saying, we, we seek out threats and risks that can end poorly for us rather than risks that end up working out really well for everyone yeah and that's where like anxiety comes from too is that threat seeking behavior yeah and so we end up just seeing the threats and hyper focusing on those threats there's so much of this out in the world and i think that if we could just reduce that a little bit Mm -hmm. by fostering some of that understanding then we've done something really awesome here yeah so that's the goal call me mr rogers good god because the world is my neighborhood. You've been sitting on that one for a while, huh? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's a possibility. I love it for you. Keep going. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, the world that we live in today, mm-hmm. with the internet and, you know, high speed connections and, and FaceTiming travel, people on the other side of the world. Yes. And 
with flights getting faster and more frequent and mm-hmm. more connections and more airports, we've reached a place where we can have instantaneous global impact. Mm-hmm. Something that you do now, today, could have an impact tomorrow on somebody in the on the other side of the world. Right, take TikTok trends. Love of oh God. God. Well, you get one good sound, and that is the only thing people see from here to Timbuktu. Yeah. And I, one, love it. Two, it's terrifying. But yeah, it's that instant global impact. Yeah. If we take that power and we're focusing on the fear-based, searching for threats baseline, mm-hmm. then it's a lot of power that can turn very bad, very fast. <laughs> yeah, fear-mongering is so much easier with the internet. And there's way too much of that going on mm-hmm. right now. There's all this cult activity and, uh, you know, cult-esque stuff where there's kind of the same psychology of, like, how cults run in a wide variety of things at this point. And cults go by a lot of different names today. And cults basically run off the whole concept of, like, fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, keeping people in a small space where they're in an echo chamber and all they're hearing is the fear stuff. If you don't stay with your group then bad things will happen to you. Mm -hmm. We want to make the world a little smaller, a little more accessible, a little more familiar, and a little less scary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you see that a lot in social media, too. TikTok again. Hey, sponsor this. Um, (laughs) Like, if you... Or not. (laughs) Well, if you see it on something that is designed for you and the algorithm continues to show you things that you want to see, you at first might see a lot of variety until it narrows down the things that you interact with the most. Mm-hmm. And then that's all you see. And you are again, stuck in an echo chamber. And there's even trends where people will compare what they've heard and seen on their accounts to one another's. And it'll be completely vastly different experiences. On that note, we want to expand outside what you know we usually hear. And we want to talk to people who have completely different experiences and live in different situations and are able to share things about their world that you wouldn't normally hear. And, you know, those little special moments and special things about places that uh, only the locals know. Yes. You know what? We should definitely do like a uh, episode or two, you know, once we get into the rhythm of things Mm -hmm. um, where we have people write in like stories that they want to tell from their local towns and experiences they've had. So, because we're not going to be able to interview the whole world, but if yeah. people like what they hear and want to share, join us in our crusade of expanding the world and opening those doors of connection and conversations, yeah. absolutely, we should read stories from around the world. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Get perspectives from everywhere. And overall, I'd just love to hear from <laughs> listeners, questions, yes, comments, suggestions, All that things. we want to hear. Yeah. So some of the things that we want to touch on is like actual neighbors who are physically located next to each other. So situations like Ukraine and Russia <sighs> and how that neighborly relationship became a toxic one and what kind of impact that has on the rest of the world and on the other countries in their immediate vicinity and what those relationships look like. We also want to look at alliances between countries and how that creates a relationship that is unique and impacts both countries in different ways. We want to look at convergence where cultures overlap or where the geologic boundaries don't necessarily make a ton of sense. And we're also going to 
interview people, talk about our own personal travel experiences, and hopefully bring you guys some episodes with useful travel tips and tricks that you can go out and discover the world for yourselves as well. The world is getting smaller by the day, and sometimes that's scary, but I think it is definitely worth exploring. Absolutely. And we're going to go explore it. (laughs) We're going to go explore it. We're going to go explore it. Guys, hang on. We are literally going all around the world. Like, we're taking this podcast... On the road. We're taking it on the road. Well, in the air. Well, and on the road. Okay. So, you know what? Podcast could be coming to a town near you. Oh, that would be fun. (laughs) We could do, like, little get-togethers in different places. That'd be kind of fun. That'd be really fun. We're also assuming that this podcast becomes wildly popular across the globe. That would be great, though. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is day think, one, we're like, I think we're fun, fun, personally. I love it. I love us. I just laugh at the fact that we're like, yes, we are going to be internationally so, famous. Yes. <laughs> well, it's the goal, I, in part because it'd be fun, um, yeah. but also because the, the wider spread this is, the more of an impact we're having. Yeah. And that's... And the new relationships we could foster and yeah. foster not just, um, you know, between you and I, but like anyone who enjoys our podcast could be mm. friends with someone. We should give people pen pals. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, let's get followers first and then we'll, work about, we'll worry about uh, linking them up. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, neighbors, thanks for joining us today. Uh, If you heard something you liked, please support the show by hitting the subscribe button and reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the Pew Research article we were talking about and takeaways from today's show in the show notes. And you can find more information about the podcast and show notes for each episode on carsoncasa.com forward slash podcast. As said before, please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. You can email us at nto at carsoncasa.com and we'd love to hear from you we'll be back next week to keep making your world a little smaller that was adorable (laughs) 